Sarah Schaefer, and it is my pleasure to welcome you back to the podcast of The Teeth of Grace. Last time we introduced you to Kathy Loudenberg, and again today we're going to be hearing a little bit more about her story. As we get started, I want to share with you one of Kathy's favorite verses, as she's said, is Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That the Lord is near to the brokenhearted is a very different message than you were given, Kathy, when a priest came to your home. How did he say it exactly? If you, this is a quote, I'll never forget it. If you are a really good girl, Eddie won't burn as long in purgatory. Well, I can just say, which you already know now, is that there's no scripture to support that at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. in fact, um, the Lord is near to you. He was there with Eddie. He yeah. is ready and willing to save us, and his timing is perfect. Yeah. Your story last time was a perfect illustration of that. Let's go back a little bit, and I want you to tell us a little bit more of what happened with Eddie, because I know that not just what happened, but then more importantly, what happened in your heart afterwards was really significant as you were growing in your faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For a long time, I I mentioned I was a rock and an island after Eddie's death because I was so empty when he was gone. Mm. I I lost my world. Mm. I didn't have mom and dad either. And I was just adrift. And, uh, but after my suicide attempt, I, um, ended up in a very good church in Fort Collins, Mm -hmm. met this elderly couple who were counselors, no degrees. (laughs) They just loved the Lord and they were full of the Holy Spirit. And um, it was so new for me because I had grown up Catholic. Um, then when I got into all the lesbianism, I didn't go to church at all. I, I felt dirty. Mm. I knew enough to know that, that it was sin, mm. but I had no other choice except death. So, you know, I, so I, I didn't go to church at all. So to be back into this little church and to meet this couple in Fort Collins um, was, was priceless. And so after we spent some time together, I got baptized there, mm. which was really, really sweet because I'd been baptized, obviously, as a, little, as a baby. But Don and Billy got to talking to me about, I told them my story and that I'd been in the lifestyle. And we got to talking about... Um, the Lord and baptism and and the further the deeper meaning of baptism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, you mean the deeper meaning of new life, new life, new right. life. I mean understanding the symbolism that, of yeah. And I needed that, right? right? I needed a new life. Everything I knew was was gone and changed. Right. Um, so so we we I got baptized at this little church with Don and Billy there. Mm. Um, my parents weren't there. We still were not in relationship. Um, and I just came to love this elderly couple. So I and then I found out that they were lay counselors. Hmm. And uh, I said, "Well, tell us about Eddie." I went, "Nope, nope. That was thirty years ago. I don't want to talk about that. Mm. That was twenty years ago. However long I want to talk about." how to get out of these 
homosexual tendencies. I wasn't in the lifestyle at the time, but I, I had, I had been changed. Right. I had, I, so I needed to know how to, how to get out of that. So I started counseling with them and, um, because, and they just filled the gaps. You know, when Eddie died, um, he was a newspaper carrier for the Rocky Mountain News. Mm. And he'd go out three o'clock in the morning to, to deliver papers. And, um, and this one morning he, um, he, he did it with a neighbor friend and they were on Federal Boulevard, which is a really busy street. And, um, he, he was supposed to, Ricky was supposed to do the last box, the last paper in the box. Mm. And Eddie said, I'll do it for you. It was two blocks from our house. Mm. Oh, wow. So Eddie did it. And at three o'clock in the morning, we got a phone call. Mm. We, we got a knock on the door, actually. And a policeman came to tell us that Eddie'd been hit. So mom and dad arrived at that accident first. They were the first responders. They got there before anybody else. Oh, wow. So, you know, we're talking about how it crushed me. It crushed our family. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just me. I had a younger sister at the time. Eddie was two years older and Margie's two years younger. And um, so, so, um, sorry. Um, so, yeah. as, as a little girl still in the house before... I'm jumping around because we were talking about when I was 27 and I met Don and Billy. But <laughs> no, but I did ask you Don what happened. Helped me deal with Eddie. Right. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Um, memories from a long time ago, and um, but still very tender. Very tender. Eddie and I had um, we spent all our time together. We built go karts and we rode bikes together, and um, we played skins and shirts all the time because he had all all guy friends. I was I was a tomboy. We climbed trees. We we, I was just in his hip pocket, mm. and um, <clears throat> in under in our cellar of our house in Denver, it was a, about a six, about a four foot deep cellar. Uh, we raised pigeons oh. that would send notes to people, and and we did it down there because it was illegal to have more than two, and we had four. So, first of all, it was illegal, but. <laughs> Ed, Ed, Eddie was not quite the straightest arrow. He was a little bit wild. He, we often got into fights because he'd pick fights, and I'd always have to fight with him for him. I mean, we were, we were just um, two peas in a pod. I, he played sports, so I got into sports when I was really, really, really young. He was a really good athlete. And uh, he, he'd hustle people. We'd go out with a whole bunch of his friends to play a game of softball or baseball or whatever, or football or whatever. And he'd say, I bet my sister can throw further than you can throw. And he's telling his guy friends this. So, you know, I'm throwing my arm out of place because I'm, I don't want to prove him wrong. And he bets some money. So if I outthrow him, we get a quarter. I mean, he hustled <laughs> everywhere we went. He was a little bit of a wild child, uh, to be honest. And I was such a straight little goody two-sheet. I loved confession. I would spend half an hour in there if I could. I did this a half a time. I did this twice. Eddie, it'd take him 30 seconds to bring the confession out because he didn't do anything wrong. And I'm going, Eddie, you did this. I had a whole list of things that he, we just, um, (laughs) so you complimented each other as well as, 
we kind did. of being conspiratorial. I was as yeah. I was, and it's funny that I ended up in the lifestyle because I was as straight as he was crooked. Uh-huh. I, I was, I was toe the mark, and 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 yeah. So That's funny. we just uh, we built we built an, a tree house in Grandpa Grandma Burkhard's um, big apple tree. Mm. We built a tree house up there, and that was our fort, and we played. All kinds of war games and threw apples mm-hmm. at this enemy and that enemy. Enemy. I mean, we just um, we had each other, right? Especially with the difficulties with your dad, right? Yeah, yeah. I there were there were uh, discipline was mean discipline. If he came home drunk, it was mm. belt discipline. It was take your pants off and bend over. And we always took our beatings together because. Eddie was always the guilty one, but I would take the beating with him because mm-hmm. I loved him because um, he was in trouble quite frequently. And, um, but, but we, we just, life was so full and so rich mm. and so close. We were just like we were one. Um, and, and he made a lot of, made a lot of money. And we, in the winter, <laughs> we shoveled sidewalks together in the, in the summer we played sports and he hustled everybody and we trimmed lawns. And I mean, we always had a job to do even when we were 10 and 12 years old. He was two years older. We, we worked together. I mean, so when, when we got that call that Eddie had been hit by a car, Pat was with us. She had moved in when she was about 16. She had moved in with us. And uh, thank God Pat was there, our cousin Pat. I don't know that she saved my life twice mm. because she was there when Eddie was killed because we couldn't say his name. Mm. I said his name one day and my father picked me up by my by my shirt and slammed me against the wall and said, you will never say his name again. Mm. So cousin Pat became, she was a lot older, but she became at least a steadiness in our house. Right. Because mom and dad were a wreck too. They were the first responders. He was thrown 172 feet, mm. massive head injuries left a pool of blood as big as this round table. So he was in the hospital. He lived for two weeks in the hospital. And um, those two weeks I spent on my knees in my closet saying the rosary Mm. constantly, just begging, begging, begging God to bring my brother back because I didn't know who I was without him. Right. You know? So the one place I could go and feel near him was in the cellar where our pigeons were, because mm. that's where we spent a lot of our time. That's where we'd hide out if Dad was drunk. We would just go down and, and, and pretend we're sending this note to that person and make up all these games. And So I went down into the cellar, and um, I didn't know that the bicycle that he was on when he got hit was in that cellar. Oh. And uh, there was a paper sack with his bloody pajamas in that cellar. Mm. Mm. And, uh, you know... I'm I'm talking to you now, and I'm almost seventy. But I I held those pajamas, and I rocked, and I could cry down there. We weren't allowed to cry; that we weren't allowed to cry at all. So I could cry down there. Mm-hmm. But I knew he'd come back. Hmm. I knew he'd come back. Just wouldn't he? Just wouldn't leave me. So two weeks later, he finally died. He was in a coma those two weeks, and he finally died. Mm-hmm. But. We only lived two blocks from Florida, so when my parents lived at the hospital those two weeks, um, Pat was there, and my, my, my our grandmothers were both great, and they helped, helped. But I would go on my bike up to that corner, and I'd sit on that corner. 
Florida Avenue. Florida and Federal. And Federal. Or Florida Street and Federal Avenue. Florida Street and Federal. Wow. And I'd sit there and just rock with my knees pulled up to my chest and just mm. desperate to be on your Eddie. Mm. So, um, so many good memories. So many good memories. We got in so much trouble and we had so much fun and we built things and I guess that's why I ended up with a shop degree as well as a language arts degree because I love to work with my hands and uh, it's one of the reasons why I ended up in sports, which was actually another detriment because I played with a lot of women that were gay, mm -hmm. that were in sports. Um, so um, back to Don Valley, I mentioned him once, mm -hmm. and like you, they said, "Tell us about him." I said, "No, I'm not. I don't want to talk about Eddie. That's mm -hmm. done. That's that's. I want to talk about to, why am I prone to homosexuality." And so we started counseling once a week, and I loved time with them, um, but it was just driving me nuts mm. because it was always, every, every time they'd say something about Eddie, I don't want to talk about that. It's done. It's over. So, so they knew better. Mm -hmm. Right. They I could see the connection. I got my first taste of what it means, what the Holy Spirit means. You know, I grew up, I'm old enough to know, we watched Casper the Ghost, mm -hmm. and we called him the Holy Ghost in the Catholic Church, so Eddie and I always thought he was this ghost. I mean, we knew nothing right. about the Holy Spirit, right? I learned that through, through Billy hmm. and her husband. And they just kept saying, no, the Holy Spirit has more for you. And the Holy Spirit. So they educated me on, I'd given my life to Christ, and I was in love with Jesus, but I knew nothing about the deep inner workings of the Holy Spirit mm. and how he comforts and how he heals and how he, how he brings truth to innermost parts. And I don't know where that scripture is. I don't remember it. Um, we'll look it up for next time. That in the innermost parts, he desires truth. And Don and Billy knew that scripture. Mm. And they wore me down mm. <laughs> very gently and lovingly. Because they were in their 80s. They loved me and they wore me down. So I walked in one day and, and uh, Don took my hand and he said, tell us about your brother. And I finally broke through that wall. Hmm. And God did um, a massive heart surgery. I told them about the bikes and the pigeons and I told them about the bloody clothes and I hmm. told them about building the the fort, the apple tree, and right, and uh, and um, they listened and they held me and they. I think I was there probably a couple hours mm. while this grief. They knew the grief was in there, right? And I just didn't. I had buried it so deep, and ignored it for so long, that. Um, Besides Pat interrupting my suicide attempt, it was the most next most significant thing in my life that Don and Billy got to that grief and were persistent to get to that grief because they knew none of this other stuff that I was focused on mattered until I took care of that. Right, because it was that grief that you had not been able to been able to go through. That made you so vulnerable 
when it came to these other relationships. And it was that need, that loss. I mean, when you're explaining that pretty much every waking moment, you and Eddie were up to something. Yeah. Usually, you know, something okay, but sometimes no good. And, you know, so, you know, here was your partner in crime, your partner in in good, and, and all of a sudden he's gone. And you're not even allowed to acknowledge or process that in any way. And, you know, we can look at that as, hopefully we can look at that as adults and just have grace on our parents to say they were doing, they didn't know how to process it either. They were crushed too. Yeah. Yeah. And they they didn't know how to do it, process it for themselves. They didn't know how to process it for you. And and they had a priest who was, you know. uh, Not not, very helpful. Not helpful at all. If I may say that. Not very helpful. Not helpful. That's a a kind way to say it. I (laughs) I could think of something stronger I'd want to say. But, you know, for them then to, to be able to say, here's where the wound yeah. really started. And then that wound left you vulnerable to needing love in any form that it came in yeah. into your life. You know, let's, let's look at that whole picture. I think it's so easy. I think it's interesting. Let me say this. I was going to say something else, but uh, that when you're talking about these same sex relationships, you're not talking about, I knew a verse and I knew I was sinning. And so, I mean, you mentioned that, but I think there's something deeper in your spirit that felt wrong and off. And, yeah. and that it wasn't, um, it wasn't about knowing the right thing and doing the wrong thing. It was, it was that it was unhealthy and there was something unhealthy going on and and so unhealthy that you were ready to kill yourself to get out of yeah. it. Yeah. And so I think that when you know we can go back to scripture and say well scripture tells us not to do these things, but God never tells us not to do something just because he likes to make a rule. Yeah. It's because he wants us to live. Yeah. He wants us to have life. Yeah. And you were stopped from here you had this vibrant relationship with your brother and then that life was literally yeah. taken away literally taken away in fact when you said every living moment i've got to jump in here because i love to sleep mm. nine or ten hours right he could he'd get up at three and deliver his papers he <laughs> right? could sleep three and still be full of energy oh, i don't boy. know what he was wired with but god made him that way so at three o'clock in the morning He'd come in and wake me up to help him roll up the papers oh, and put boy. the rubber bands on them and fill his baskets his baskets on his bike. And then, you know, I'd be a wreck because I didn't get my nine or ten hour sleep. Or or he'd and I started to play the piano. I, I during it's interesting, Sarah, that you brought up just that deep emptiness because I haven't remembered this. I started begging for a piano when I was six. Mm. And mom and dad didn't have the money. And uh um, dad was a janitor and didn't make a lot of money and mom worked full time and was trying to raise five kids and, but they finally found this old, decrepit, <laughs> beat up, upright, uh, upright, huge piano for a hundred bucks, which back then, I would say that's still I mean, a right investment. today, right? <laughs> that means nothing, but that was huge back then. No, that's a big deal. Um, so I started playing the piano. Eddie would pay me. I, it was my catharsis. Mm. I realize now looking back, God put that desire in me for music so that I'd have a I'd have a way have to something. deal yeah. with what was going on. So I 
they took me down to Denver once a week and I, with a very, 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 very old-fashioned classical teacher whose husband stundered <laughs> under Franz Liszt. Oh, boy. Kata Stegman Tracy. And it was, it was, she was, <laughs> told the mark. She was white-headed in her 80s and I was going to learn to be a concert pianist. And, um, and, uh, I, and as I look back, you know, the teeth of grace, I mean, it's how, it's how God just, um, it's a grace that's so costly. It cost him everything, but he also knew it's the grace that goes to that level Mm -hmm. of the deepest, deepest need. And because if Eddie and I were having fun, man, it was, it was all kinds of, all kinds of lighthearted music and but Bach or Chopin, it was like Chopin or Mozart. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was it was I could play and play and play and play. Um but if it wasn't, it was heavy duty Bach or heavy duty mm-hmm. something, heavy duty da da da. I mean it was mom always knew what I was feeling by what I was playing on the piano. Mm-hmm. And 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 it ministered to mom. Mom mm-hmm. the only time I ever saw mom after Eddie's death as our family imploded. The only time I ever remember seeing mom happy was when I was playing the piano. Hmm. Wow. So it was ministering to her too. But Eddie would pay me not to play the piano. Oh. When you talk about every moment, not only was I getting up at three to fill his bags, and then I couldn't stay awake at school because I was sleepy, he would pay me <laughs> to not play the piano and come out and play with him. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I know I've, I've gone on too much. But, no, no. But you, you're right. The oneness that we had, it was a oneness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I know, almost 70, that that's the same kind of intimacy God wants. He wants a oneness. He wants right. all of us. Right. And we need to want all of him. But you're right. I mean, we just, uh, <laughs> um, he would pay me. That's hilarious. <laughs> Not only would he bet on me, <laughs> he would pay me then money that he had cheated kind of out of these <laughs> other people to come play with him. So, um, mm. but um, as I look back, I had forgotten that God was already at work mm-hmm. in that grief because God did know that grief. He knew that heartache when Eddie died. I mean, I died. Really, I died when Eddie died. Right. Well, he was a lifeline. And music continues today to be mm. one of my greatest passions. Mm. It was God's outlet. It was it was something so pure and beautiful that God downloaded to me. Um, he was working clear back then, and I just didn't get it. Right. I think that's one thing I've definitely seen in my life experiences, too, that in the darkest, darkest times, even sometimes he gives us the grace to see it in those dark moments, that he has never left us alone. Yeah. He never left you alone. Yeah. Even with all of the unhealthiness in in your family and and just and 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 again i i don't say that in a condemning way because again i think your parents and everybody else just dealt with it the best they could do um but even then god had grace for you that he was carrying and thank goodness that grace has teeth because thank goodness that it's not just some feel good something yeah it's not just some bright pink color that goes on top of all of this stuff because we have real heartache and we have real loss yeah. and we have real issues and God God knows that and he's been there and he's experienced that like you said earlier he he experienced that on the cross yeah. and and did that for us 
So I think that, you know, that verse that we started with, that the Lord is near yeah. to the brokenhearted. He isn't far away. And whether we feel him or not, whether we can see it in the moment or not, he is near to us, yeah. especially in those broken moments. And he does save those who are crushed, crushed in spirit. spirit. And I did not know at 27 that I was still crushed in spirit. Right. Right. That you hadn't been given a chance to heal. I... I you know, I didn't know that. All I could see. So in this last counseling session, there's this godly couple who loved Jesus and were listening to the Holy Spirit, and I couldn't hear because I didn't know him. I was just being introduced to him. Mm -hmm. um, when they told me, when they said, tell us about Eddie. And then we just prayed. Mm. And Billy... Little, little, little lady, maybe, maybe four and a half feet tall, just this sweetest blue eyes, just this woman mm. who loved me and loved Jesus and just like my grandma, one of my grandmothers. And she was crying. And because how they would start the counseling session was, I wanted to talk about this. And they'd say, well, let's ask the Lord maybe after I would quit telling them <laughs> what we were going to talk about. <laughs> right. Um, they'd listen, and then they said, "Well, let's ask the Holy Spirit what He might want to do." <laughs> and that's and that's how we started every counseling session. Mm. And she was crying. Uh, about five minutes in, she was crying, and her blue eyes just had these pools of water. And she said, "I I just uh, God just gave me a vision, and and." Um, I see this heart with this one little pink spot and the rest of it's black. Mm. Well, that's easy. I just erupted. <laughs> right? Just like you just did. You sat back like Kathy. You started me there. Like, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. You're no. trying to moderate this, and I'm, I'm no, of no help. Um, I know what that is. That's my homosexuality. That's my sin. It's black. I've been in it. I just, I just went into a tirade, mm. berating myself. And... They both stayed. They took my hands. Bill, Dawn, I was afraid of men. My dad was abusive. Dawn was huge. She was six feet tall. He was an old farmer, just gentle, giant man with giant hands and calf hands. He wrapped his hands around my hands and he said, Kathy, tell us about your brother. Mm. Mm. And things poured out of me that only the Holy Spirit because what I said to Billy was, you know, it's about my sin. It's about my blackness. Mm. It wasn't at all. Billy knew. Don and Billy knew right. that that wound, you talked about it earlier, that wound was still oozing. Right. Oozing. Day after day after day. Thus, exactly what you said, any affection I got out of a gay relationship, because I was afraid of men, Any, any comfort that I got, I took. Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, did I tell him about Eddie. We, mm -hmm. Just like you asked. I mean, it brought back all, all these memories. We were one. He was mm -hmm. my life. So and I was his life. So what was the black heart? It was just that grief. It was grief. It was grief. It wasn't condemnation. And they knew that. Right. 
I think, you know, we see John 3.16 in so many different places. And my husband likes to always say, and I, I, he doesn't like me to talk about him, but I don't think he'll mind if I'm <laughs> quoting scripture. He always likes to quote John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Oh, he came that we'd be saved. He didn't come to condemn. He wasn't condemning you. He understood. Yeah. He understood everything that was going on. Yeah. He knew that Satan had totally tried to counterfeit true love and true relationship through all of these unhealthy encounters with these women and through these this wonderful couple. Yeah. He came to you and he said, no, 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 no. You are condemning you. I'm not condemning you. Yeah. I came to save you, Kathy. Yeah. I came to save you. And boy, did my Catholic wow. mind, you know, I was, I, I, that's all I knew. And then I gave my life to Christ, but then all of this started happening. Um, boy, did they teach me about the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that has to be another podcast because, oh my gosh, <laughs> the things he does and the, who he is and how he speaks and how he enlightens and how he downloads to us whatever we need whenever we need it that opened up a whole new world to me right a whole new world the ministry of the holy spirit yeah and it's throughout the new testament and it's been misused um in in some some ways that um gotten off course but truly the ministry of the holy spirit is so powerful. I mean, this couple loved me to life. Mm. Loved me to Holy Spirit-filled life. I'd given my life to Christ. I began to realize what it felt like to be filled mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Of Christ. Yeah. 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 I mean, and to be filled. Right. And... Right. It just lifted. It just washed. There's another scripture, the cleansing of the water or the word, um, that I can't ever remember right now because you know how my brain doesn't work sometimes. <laughs> I think it's Ephesians. The but washing keep going. of the water of the world. I was going to say in Ephesians somewhere that that I I that time was done in Billy. It was almost like being born again again, mm. like being a new creation as the Holy Spirit just and as I began to soak in the word. Right. And um, yeah, it talks about being sanctified, which is that process that happens after we've been saved. Yeah. We're being made more and more like him, yeah. which is um, what he's doing. Having cleansed her by the washing of water yeah. with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor yeah. without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without yeah. blemish. How sweet is that? How sweet is that? He takes us, warts and all, literally, and washes us with the word and transforms us. Well, Kathy, what he's done in your life is so beautiful. And I am, I'm so sorry for your loss of your brother because that, uh, for any of us who have, have lost somebody in whatever form that is, whether it's been an accident or, or even just the loss of a relationship, I think we can all relate to what you're saying, and when we don't deal with those things for whatever the reasons are, it does. It just leads to other unhealthiness yeah, in our lives. It leads us alive. It's a darkness it that Satan brings that right. is gets darker and darker and deeper and deeper until you lose your way. Right. Um, I have to add that after Don and Billy, and after I told them about Eddie, <laughs> finally, <with their> patience, <laughs> oh, this godly couple. 
Oh my gosh. I'm still in touch with them. They're, they're, um, well, she has died, but Don, well, not now, but I stayed in touch with them for years and years afterward because, mm. um, uh, I went up and sat on that corner. Mm. I went back to the house with a dear friend to Interesting. pray. Went back to Florida and federal. I went back to Florida and federal. Mm. I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, redeem this. Uh, Let me redeem this. Yes. So I went back and knocked on the door and, uh, because we moved after after Eddie was killed, we moved two blocks away. Mm. We just couldn't live there anymore. We just couldn't. It, it was only two blocks. It was still close, but we couldn't be there anymore. So my folks bought a different house. But I went back to that house and I said, um, "This may sound strange, but I used to live here when I was a little girl, and um, my brother was killed, and uh, we spent a lot of time in the cellar because um, we had pigeons down there. And would you mind?" And, and you can tell me no, but would you mind if I went back down there? Because I felt like the Lord wanted to also redeem the cellar. Because uh, that's also where a lot of sexual abuse took place. Mm. Whole other story. Hmm. And they said, oh my gosh, we knew that. They told us. The realtor, will you tell us the story? Mm. They had heard that the people moved because they'd had a death in the family. So they welcomed me in like family. I, I've totally forgotten this, too. And we sat, and I told them about Eddie with no tears. Oh. With just the joy of I was back to redeem, to take back. What's that? Take back what Satan stole him. There's a scripture about the that. Years take, the, the, the years the locusts. Joel 225. The years the locusts have eaten. Yes. That's an awesome verse, right? And to be able he, to witness to them of the goodness of God exactly. so many years later. Wow. God can... Wow. Re, re, to restore those years. How was it being in that cellar? <clears throat> it was okay. Really? Except that I am, I have arachnophobia. We had a lot of black widow spiders in Denver. And I had to go in and ask them for a broom. And I had to clean all the webs. And I, had to, <laughs> I had to I ask for some spray. And so I did have to do a little mitigation before I went into the cellar. Well, that's because fair. Because I wasn't afraid with Eddie. Right. But he, right. I, I got he was a, safe. I got a horrible. He was, he was my protector. Wow. He was my shield. What? Um, so I went back, and then I went back, and I sat on that corner. Mm-hmm. Wow. No tears. Wow. Just praising God for making me a new creation, and for healing, for calling me to Himself, for filling me with the Holy Spirit, and healing a deep, deep wound. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have nothing I can add to that except that praise God for healing us from the deepest losses that um, yeah. that would that are insurmountable on our own. There's completely something beyond our capability to heal yeah. in ourselves and we need him to be the one to do it and for him to be able to not just at that time heal you but then to be able to give you again a voice to be able to share that with the people yeah. that live there and I think it's interesting that it was the same family that moved in right after you left know, that was thoughts? living there that's I mean just a lot of little pieces here that we could kind of go down bunny trails but yeah. just the overall thing of God redeeming this whole situation in so yeah. many beautiful ways because really God would want you to remember Eddie and he'd want you to remember life and he wants all the life that you've been living now since you've known Jesus, that, yeah. you know, this, this fullness of life that he came to give you. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, I think there are a lot of different things that have sparked in this conversation for future conversations we want to have about different things. And I am, again, just super grateful to you for being so vulnerable with us and sharing so openly and candidly with us about not just loss, but then the dark places it brought you and then the beautiful redemption that's come from that. I just want to encourage everybody who is listening to us that um, God does have redemption for you too and that there is not condemnation. That is not why Jesus came. He came to, he came to save and not to condemn. Mm-hmm. He came to bring life and not to bring a wagging finger mm-hmm. or any kind of punishment. He does not tell us that if only we're good enough. In fact, it's the very opposite. It's because we can't be good enough. It's because we have never been able to be good enough on our own that Jesus came, mm-hmm. that he took that punishment on the cross, and that he now welcomes us into his arms. Mm -hmm. And maybe we've known that, you know, I think a lot of us have been Christians for a long time that are maybe listening to this and we just need to hear that good news again and again and again. And just especially with where we're at right now with all that's going on in the grief and the upheaval, he's close to the brokenhearted. He is. He saves those who are crushed in spirit and he's always about restoration. Yes, yes. Always about restoration. Yeah. It's, um, as we record this, just so you know, as our listeners, it's March 3rd? 2nd. It's March 2nd. 2nd. (laughs) We haven't been here that long (laughs) talking. (laughs) Um, It's it's still March 2nd, and it's 2021. And, um, yeah, it's been quite a year in this world that we are living in, and it's quite a season that we're in right now as we've started a new administration in the White House, and there's just a lot going on. And COVID, a lot of deaths, a lot of people have lost loved ones. Yes. And that, you know, you and I both know that kind of pain. Right. He's close. I love, I'll I'll have to tell you the story sometime of when he gave me that verse Mm. right after my suicide attempt. But that's a whole nother world. Yeah, I want to hear that story too. I think we all want to hear that story. And I know that verse has special meaning to me, too. So we will get into all of that and so much more in the episodes to come. So thank you, Kathy, so much. Thanks for sitting around my dining room table and sharing your heart and your wisdom and just your faith and your life. You're welcome. Thanks for doing this with me. Yeah. And thanks again to you for listening and joining us here at the Teeth of Grace podcast. We hope that you'll tune in next time to hear more of the good news of Jesus Christ. In the meantime, God bless you.